The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Ituria and Trichonitis, and Lysanias, ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. Amen. What a beautiful uh, passage from the gospel. I'm sure those of you who have sung the Messiah or have heard it many, many times over can hear it ringing through your ears as you hear these wonderful words from Isaiah. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be brought low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough places shall be made smooth. When Isaiah wrote those words, there were actually soldiers who would go out ahead of the entourage where the, uh, the king or the ruler was coming in the chariot and to make those paths smooth for the chariot so that it would be an easy ride for the ruler coming through the wilderness. We still do that today. It's done a little differently. I used to have a friend who was uh, in, on the uh, White House staff in the Air Force. He worked in the preparations that uh, took place for communications, especially whenever the president would go around the country or overseas. They would, a whole team would go ahead and they would spend days preparing for the arrival of the president. And they would make sure that every detail had been taken care of. They were preparing the way. But we're in a time of preparation. And that preparation not only takes place in our homes and in the church, but it also takes place in our hearts. And one aspect of that preparation is repentance. Now, John the Baptist's mission was very clear. It was to prepare the way, but it was also to call people to repent from their sin. We don't often talk about that in the mainline churches. Repentance is something that I think we have relegated to those who go to tent meetings or who are a part of some fundamentalist uh, sect of some sort. You know, those people that are always talking about that and groveling in their sins. That's not for us. So I think in saying that and in having that bias, we miss out on the real blessing that is there in understanding repentance, maybe from a slightly different perspective. But the message of John the Baptist 
was very clear. Get ready, he said. Prepare. Prepare your heart. We have often, and actually for centuries probably, observed Advent as a time of uh, penitence. And you'll recall that uh, in most of our churches, the color for Advent was always purple. Still is in the chapel, but those of you who may be uh, newer to this church might have been surprised to see blue. It's actually called Sarum Blue for Salisbury Cathedral. And this Sarum Blue, in a sense, is a reminder to us that this is a season that is different from Lent. This is about preparation. And there is always some tension between getting ready and preparing and also the idea of a penitential season, of repentance, of needing to examine ourselves as a part of that preparation. Any of you who have had children know uh, a little bit about this kind of, of expectancy that's filled with joy where you can hardly wait because a child is coming. You're going to have a baby. And there is no preparation, perhaps, that is more joyously done or more carefully done than preparing a place for that new baby. And in a sense, that is what John the Baptist is calling us to. He's saying, get ready. Something really important is about to happen. Prepare your life for that. Well, preparation is one thing, but repentance is another. How might we give shape to this idea of repentance in our own lives? How might we make sense of that for those of us living in the 21st century? One of the things that I think we need to acknowledge is that these theological terms that we have were based on experience. They were based on things that happened to people. And then as they tried to express those to others, they used metaphors and sometimes the metaphors became cast in stone so that unless you spoke in terms of this particular metaphor, maybe you weren't a real Christian. Some of these terms became theological expressions and they have a whole set of understandings that we try to get to. And in doing that, I think sometimes we have lost sight of the experience that was underlying that theological expression. And some of these terms carry an enormous amount of baggage. And I think that is the case, case with the term of repentance. Perhaps the simplest way to speak of repentance is to say that the word that's used in Greek in the New Testament generally means to change one's mind. And sometimes people talk about it as a turning uh, based on the, on the word metanoia, a turning or a changing of mind. I want to share with you an experience which I had of a change of mind that was really transformational in my life. I experienced it uh, when I was a part of a small group, uh, a small group of us that gathered together in San Antonio in the parish that we were a part of there. We started probably with six or seven couples, and it was originally uh, a group that was uh, based on marriage encounter. For those of you who may have gone on Marriage Encounter, you know that it's a way for couples to learn to communicate so that they can grow deeper in their marriage relationship. But over time, some people dropped out and those of us that were left found that we really wanted to do a bit more than just uh, talk about our marriage relationship and to grow deeper in that. We really were interested in learning how we could grow deeper in the Christian faith, live our lives in a responsible Christian way, 
while we were at the same time uh, hit with all these pressures of our professional lives and as parents of small children. And it turned out that there were three couples and our children that were a part of these gatherings. And we would meet often on Sunday afternoon after church. We would have lunch together and just enjoy one another's company. One of the couples had a house with a swimming pool, so we would be there many times. And then sometimes we'd gather together for a meal in the evening. And generally we would end with prayer, often praying for the needs that were present among these three families. And then during the week, the men would meet separately and the women would meet separately. And it was those separate meetings that were particularly important in my own Christian development. I'm sure that people uh, in getting to know a priest must think that uh, any minister who has gone through seminary, that seminary must have been the place where they had the greatest uh, growth in their spiritual life. Uh, some would say that uh, seminaries inhibit spiritual growth, but I would not say that. I had a wonderful seminary experience, but the, the experience that I had in that small group in San Antonio was without question the most important time in my spiritual life when I was changed the most in terms of coming into a deeper understanding of what it meant to lead a Christian life. We were gathered once. I think it was just it was just the men. And we had been talking about discipleship and what it meant to be a disciple, how we might be a follower of Jesus in a way that had deep meaning in our lives. And this one evening we were talking about that and I made it clear that there were a number of things that really were getting in the way for me in terms of uh, being a disciple, of entering into that kind of a relationship with God. And I talked about those things that seemed to be in the way it was I didn't know exactly what might be demanded of me I really was didn't feel I was good enough actually and at one point one of the guys challenged me and he said you know the only thing standing between you and coming closer to God as a disciple is that you think you've got to get it all together you've got to understand it all and you've got to be perfect And then he said, looking me square in the eyes, he said, Jesus calls you just as you are. Jesus calls you now. Come as you are. That was perhaps the most important thing that anybody had ever said to me. Because there was no question that what was standing between me and a deeper understanding of what it was to be close to God was a belief that I wasn't really good enough and that I had to get my act together. I had to do it. And what I realized that night as we talked about that and as we prayed together was that it was nothing that I could do that would make any difference. It was simply me saying yes to God and letting God take it from there. God calls every one of us to come close. God calls every one of us where we are in the midst of all of the trash that we have in our lives to come closer, to draw closer. And it seems to me that part of our preparation and getting ready for that is to take a moment in the busyness of our lives and reflect on what it is that is standing between me and God. What is getting in the way? 
What is it that makes it hard for me to draw closer? It seems to me that that is part of the preparation that John the Baptist was calling people to. I believe John the Baptist was saying, examine your life. Where do you stand apart from God and why? What is in the way? Someone has said that it's very reassuring to know that we are washable. (laughs) It is reassuring to know that we are washable. (laughs) And someone else said that the basic elements of the Christian life are really very simple. It comes down to a bath and a meal. And we need that bath regularly. We need to examine our lives and we need to think about what it is that stands between us and God and, and release that, let go of it. But I think we also need to know that we have to come together in this, around this, this altar, this table for a sacred meal. We gather as a community of people who are imperfect, but who are also seeking God. And we come and we share in eternal food for eternal life. And there's something about the community gathered in that way where Christ is present in it. And it strikes me as, uh, as particularly important for us to think about the fact that John the Baptist would talked a lot about the bath. He talked about being washed. And Jesus talked about the meal. Many times we see Jesus gathering people around the meal. But both of them are important. We have to be washed. We have the confession that's a part of our liturgy, and that is there not so much to to serve as the confession for us every week, but rather to point us toward the need for confession and for examination of life on a regular basis. The Benedictine monks refer to that as conversion of life, and they talk about it as something that happens every day, day after day where there's a time for re-examination of what went on the day before, what happened all through that day, and offering it up to God, and asking God, where is it that I need to be washed? But once we're washed, we come back to the community, and we share in the meal, and we find Christ present in the midst of us. I believe that John is still calling to us over the centuries, over the millennia, To prepare the way of the Lord. Get ready. Prepare your heart. Prepare your homes. But remember that God is calling each and every one of you just as you are. To draw close. For Emmanuel, God with us, is going to be with us. And in his peace, we can know true peace. Amen.